We are going through James. I'm uh, the the second speaker. Josh spoke last week. Just did a really a really good job. Um, just teaching teaching history and just shepherding. And I, I don't uh, I just really enjoyed that. I got to hear the podcast. I was in the nursery uh, last week, so I didn't get to hear it. Uh, <laughs> what are you guys doing with these kids? Um, so <laughs> nursery is a, in a, is an amazing, uh, amazing problem to have. It's not a problem. It is, it is amazing. If you've been here any amount of time to see the number of kids in those rooms over there is just astounding. It's like, uh, reading magic beans or something. I think most of us know that's not the truth. <laughs> uh, so, <laughs> Uh, Josh, uh, opened it up last week and we're going to talk about James. Uh, James is, um, a very practical book. Uh, we want to kind of be fundamental about this. So let's walk through the same slides that, that he walked through last week. Jesse got me on the who, uh, James considered James the just James was the leader of the, uh, church in Jerusalem. Um, Peter was the leader of the church in Jerusalem. He began to travel. James stepped in became the leader of the church in Jerusalem. James was not a disciple, but James was the brother of Jesus. Uh, there's the other James, the, the one of the sons of thunder, which is just awesome. Uh, if I ever had a tattoo, I would love it uh, to say that. Sons of thunder. Uh, the what? Um, it's a letter to uh, Jewish Christian house churches that were scattered throughout the region. The the opening, the one verse that Josh preached last week. Um, I have 17 verses. He has one. I don't see where that's fair. Uh, but I'm kind of going to talk about fairness tonight anyway. I don't deserve fairness. Um, so uh, he, he opens up talks to the 12 tribes of the dispersion. These people had come against persecution and had been scattered. And even where they were scattered, they didn't find refuge. Uh, the Jews did not welcome them. They uh, were continually scattered, continually persecuted, and uh, stepped against, and just not, they did not sound comfortable. And that's kind of where some of this letter is coming from. The when, um, early to mid 40s, like Josh said last night, not the 1940s, the, uh, the double lot 40s, like, like 40. 40. 40. Uh, it's the oldest New Testament book. Uh, like Josh was saying, there may, be some, there may be some discrepancy there. Some people say no. Some people say yes. We're going to go with yes. We've got to take a stand. You know. Um, the where. Jerusalem, Judea and Samaria, uh, the Mediterranean, Asia Minor, Europe. Uh, those are places. Uh, here we go. <laughs> I'm hitting on all cylinders. Let's go. Uh, the why. Jeff. Pastor them through difficulty. Uh, no matter what's going on, live out your faith. 
Um, and that is, I'm, I'm giving away my big reveal. That's my theme tonight. Live out your faith regardless of your circumstances. This passage is uh, it's challenging. And there's a lot of other synonyms. Hard, uh, difficult. I don't, I don't want to preach this. Um, it's tough. Um, but it's the truth. And I, I do, I do want to preach it. I just um, I want to do it well. And so... James, James starts out, uh, Josh put it last week, the book is very caring, very strong, very uh, pastoral, and that's kind of how I want to bring it to you tonight. I want to be caring, but I, it, it is a strong message, and, and I want to pastor you. I said that before, I'm one of the pastors of this church. The best way I can describe that is in the qualifications, in, in the talking about being an elder, we are, we are truly shepherds, and please don't take any insult being sheep, you are loved by God, and you are His body and His congregation, and I am just one of the guys who has been pushed forward to help shepherd, help you guys do life, live life with you guys. It's, yeah. So I want to I mirror what James did with his group of people, with his church, the huge church of Jerusalem, um, as they were dispersed. I, I want to I bring... Uh, Clarity, and I want to talk about what his letter says. Um, again, James, very practical, very much what they call wisdom literature. Paul would open these letters and um, would talk about, hey, tell this person hi, this person says hello, I love you, yeah, this person loves you. And just very, kind of some grandiose openings. James, uh, just he just jumps right in. He's just very, very direct. Not that he's not caring, You'll see that he's, he's extremely direct. Uh, so again, dispersed early, early 40s. This is the church. And, and you guys who are members of the ring, you know that our DNA, our fundamental passage, not passage of Scripture, but just one of the things that really drives our church is Acts 2.42, where they, they did not forsake the meeting together, the fellowship, the breaking of bread, the praying. Um, so Acts is kind of like a narrative uh, so you see that you, you get a glimpse into what the early church is where James is. You have intercepted the letter, you know, from James to the early church. It's it's a uh, it is an extreme glimpse into what is being said, what what needs to happen, instruction and teaching. Uh, Josh, again, I keep going back to what Josh said. I really enjoyed his deal. He said it kind of punches you in the face in a good way, but not ways that we embrace. And I agree. Uh, it has punched me in the face uh, for a good three weeks now, and, and I'm tired of getting punched in the face. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's odd because for Josh to say it's not something we embrace, I totally understand what he's saying. I agree with what he's saying. It's exactly what James calls us to do is to embrace. Embrace trials. Embrace, embrace God's refining in our hearts. So we'll... we'll We'll keep going, sorry. I want to I read the whole thing. It's a lengthy passage of Scripture, but I'd like to, I'd like to read it, get it out there, and then work through the, the parts. Um, so join with me, uh, verse 2. Uh, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, and let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all, without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith, with no doubting. 
For the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. Let the lowly brother boast in his exaltation and the rich in his humiliation, because like a flower of the grass he will pass away. For the sun rises with its scorching heat and withers the grass. Its flower falls, its beauty perishes. So also will the rich man fade away in the midst of his pursuits. Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial, for when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. And then desire, when it is conceived, gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. Do not be deceived, my beloved brothers. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. Verse 2, let's start back over. Uh, I don't want to, I want to I roll. I don't know how much I've got here. Uh, um, count it all joy, brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. Man, uh, that's enough. Yeah, that's enough. Like, wow. Um, as James writes to his church, he uses a term of endearment. He uses the term brothers. Much like I talked about Paul explaining and laying out his, his love and his care, James pretty much does it with that one word. Uh, the Greek plural of brothers is adelphoi. It refers to siblings, brothers and sisters in a family brothers and sisters in God's church, in, his, in the church family. Um, it, is, uh, it is very endearing. I, I can only imagine what I understand, what the church would feel as they received the letter, as they received correspondence from their leader. And for him not to be a king or a pope or a, someone who we've lifted high, but, but to have a person open his letter with the term brothers. And I do that tonight. You guys are my family. You're my church family. A lot of you are family. I've got family family here. It, it, and you guys have been with me long enough to be considered family. It, it's just um, a beautiful thing. So it's, it's kind of like if we put out a letter and had to, uh, <laughs> had to instruct you guys on some stuff. Um, he calls us right off the bat um, to have an attitude change or perspective adjustment. Because it's very... Um, it's very paradoxical. It, it, doesn't, it doesn't make sense. Consider it pure joy when you face trials of various kinds. That, that doesn't make sense. Like, I don't, I don't want to have joy uh, when I'm going through trials. And when I say this thing is tough, I look out and I, I don't look out across the room. As I put this, this deal together, I begin to think about you guys. And I begin to think about what you guys and myself what we walk through in terms of trials and for me to stand here and say be joyful it's it's uh it is the truth that i believe and i want us to come to that maturity come to that sanctification where we are joyful that's that's what we're doing tonight joy is not uh the emotion of happiness um, no one in the bible is saying be happy uh for this trial that is uh uh, that, is, that is not what's happening. I go, um, uh, sorry, 
It's not the emotion of happiness, but joy is, is the state of, of being which comes from our relationship with God. Again, no one has promised you happiness, but the Spirit indwelling us has given, has, bear, has borne fruit of, of joy. The fruit of the Spirit is joy. Um, so that's a, that's a resistance. I, I needed a quote uh, because I knew we had just talked about this and we talked about it in community groups. My community group leader is named Phil Crenshaw. <laughs> uh, so my bad. <laughs> my bad. <laughs> shout out. He made me shout out. And Phil Zito is my community group leader. And uh, we had just gone through this, actually, if you remember. We just went through community groups where we discussed joy. We discussed emotions, fears. Um, and the, well, I grabbed one of the teaching points from that night. Joy is one of the fruits of the Spirit, meaning that He, the Spirit, is joyful. And therefore, we are joyful because He lives in us. Not happy. We are happy, but it's not just happiness. We cannot produce joy on our own, but we can intentionally focus our hearts and minds on Him and all that He has done. Don't, don't miss that. We can intentionally focus our hearts and minds on Him and all that He has done, which brings out joy as a natural response. When we reflect on the Lord in us, when we say, you know, our anchor holds, when we, when we give God the glory for what that is, that brings out joy. And, and just stay with me here. There's two questions that we kind of have to answer, and, and they're, they're difficult. And I say we, meaning I don't have to answer them. You've got to sit there and think about these things. Do we believe God is in complete control of every situation? Yow. Yowzas. Uh, do you believe God is in complete control of every situation? Number two, do we believe God has given us exactly what we need? <laughs> Yowzas. Has He got it? And has He given us what we need to, to walk through it? Do you believe these things? These are these are crucial in walking through this text. There's a, uh, uh, there was an Arabic proverb. It's extremely short. Uh, I just read Arabic proverbs a lot of times. It's just kind of a hobby. Uh, <laughs> but it, it says, sunshine alone creates deserts. And if you think about that, and you think about what James is calling us to do, count it pure joy when you, uh, when you meet trials of various kinds, that... Sunshine alone creates deserts. That the rain is needed. The storms that we just sang about are necessary for life and for growth. And, and some of you may already be calling, calling bull on me. Huh? Man, I don't want to hear this. I don't want to hear that this is good. That trials are necessary and that God is in control. I don't want to hear that tonight. I, I, I'm sorry, but He is. And they are good. And so this is what we're talking about. The testing of our faith. Um, that word testing right there, where it says testing of your faith produces steadfastness. That word testing right there has Greek connotations of uh, the term smelting. Smelting is um, uh, metallurgy, metalworking, refining of metals and ores, jewels. Um, and that to me is very beautiful. Like I, as a, and I don't want to just say a guy. Women are... are truly included in uh, 
smelting, I guess. I don't, I don't know. Uh, but, uh, but, but it's such a beautiful picture. Uh, we did, a, we did a, a married group not too long ago where we watched a piece of Damascus steel being made. And he would, the, the um, blacksmith would take it out of the forge, pound on it, twist it. He would coat it and protect it. And then he put it back in. He did that like eight times. Beautiful picture of this blank piece of steel moving to this beautiful blade. Just gorgeous. And, and, and realizing that, that God is our craftsman and that He is crafting us. And again, believing that God is in control of every situation. So I, I like that. Uh, smelting the refining of metals as a goldsmith removes impurities that are foreign to the metal. Uh, in the furnace, He wipes away the dross. A dross is a word I've only heard in hymns. And I looked it up and I wanted to know because I knew it, it, it fit. Dross is uh, the impurities that come to the surface. They're foreign to the valuable metals being refined. It, uh, they are a waste. They are of no value. So I'm, I need you to draw the uh, parallel. You know, As a blacksmith, as, as, a, as he takes a metal or as a metallurgist, whatever, takes that and they try and get to the heart of what this is, what this jewel is, what this piece of gold is, and they know it's in there. It's the same way with God as He works in sanctification and works in maturity, uses trials to bring the dross to the surface, wipe away the dross so that more of our true selves are revealed. That is beautiful. Whether I've said it correctly or not, whether I put it in the best language, for God who knows what's inside of us and knows what is coming out, what is coming to be, for Him to wipe away the dross, to use trials, to use these things that sometimes hurt so badly as a, as a piece of metal or a piece of gold, well, gold metal, but as they go into the furnace, there's heat and there's, there's reactions, there's everything. It is painful, but it is necessary to bring that to its full fruition. And that is where we sit today and tomorrow and the next day. God is, the, God, as the Spirit is moving us from one degree of glory to another. And He's using these trials as a, as a means to do that. Um, uh, this verse is actually mirrored with uh, 1 Peter uh, chapter 1, verse 6 and 7. You got that, Jess? In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the testing, uh, the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found a result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Um, it's just, it's nice to see support. Um, it's nice to see themes in the Bible. Um, and so, I guess what I'll... What I wanted to say here was uh, that we think of tests wrong. We think of trials wrong. We, th- we think of um, the testing not, not about getting the answer right here. It's not about understanding and knowing this, however you want to look at whatever trial you may be going through. It's not how do I get out, and I'm going to talk about this in a minute. It's not how I get out. It's not do I have the right answer to fix this. It's do I know what to do with the problem? Do I know what to do with the trial? Um, Are you trusting God with the endurance and the outcome of the trial? 
Are you relinquishing control of these, these things that happen in your life? He talks about uh, that that testing, that smelting uh, produces steadfastness. Um, right there, one of the words in the, uh, one of the Greek words is a hyper, hyper standing, standing fast. And it's not standing fast in, I've got a plan to get out of this and I'm going to be stubborn until I accomplish it. It's standing fast in your trusting of the Lord that you will deliver. The Lord will deliver. I'm going to stand here and I will wait upon the Lord. All three songs we sang tonight talked in some measure of waiting upon the Lord. Um, it, is, it is beautiful. Um, two examples that kind of help. Maybe, maybe I'm just, uh, you know, let's be helpful. Um, uh, the Israelites left Egypt. Moses led uh, the Israelites out and they uh, traveled out into the desert and Pharaoh's men, here they came. And so the Israelites come between literally a rock and a hard place. Two, two mountains on both sides, the Red Sea in front of them, and the hoofbeats of chariots and horses and death behind them. And I, I've never been in that situation. I've never had an army chase me. But I've, I, I, maybe I've felt that, you know? Maybe you feel like you've felt that. That I just, I don't know what to do. I'm at my wit's end. You know, this trial is breaking me. This trial is crushing me. I can't stand fast anymore. I don't know what to do. And here, the Lord, He doesn't paint a beautiful picture. He acts out a beautiful picture. He, he separates the Red Sea, lets these people go across the Red Sea, and then dumps it back on the Egyptians. But what happens is, they had no control. And you've been there. They had no control. There was nothing that they could do to get themselves out. So they had lost all control. So all they could do was look to their father. Moses, in, uh, I didn't put this verse on, but I, I kind of wondered uh, about that. And I thought, I wonder if anybody was there that, you know, as we talk about tonight, about changing our perspective on, on, on trials, I said, I wonder if there was anybody in that group of people about to be killed that was like, I can't wait to see what God is about to do in this. I know I'm about to die, but I wonder what he's going to do, you know. And we got to get there, you know. It, <laughs> I've never been there. I've never been faced with death, but I've been faced with trials and tribulations. And, and I need to be, what is my God going to do? Not how can I get myself out. Lord, how will you deliver me here? And actually Moses, Exodus 14.3 says, uh, Fear not, stand firm, and see the salvation of the Lord. You know, as crazy as I thought it sounded, surely there was no one standing there, but there was Moses. Moses told the people, fear not, stand firm, be steadfast, be hyper-standing. Stand fast. The Lord is coming. The Lord is here. It's a beautiful picture. Josh has always taught us when we're preaching to reveal uh, what makes Jesus the hero. I love that. I love uh, as we look at Jesus as our, our, our hero. Um, Jesus went before us in this. And what James is calling His church and what I'm asking you to accept as truth, Jesus went before in Hebrews 12, verse 2. Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, 
who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Again, you don't have to be happy. It's okay when the trials come if you are grieving the trial. But are you trusting in the one who will carry you through? Are you trusting in your deliverer? Jesus grieved. He sweat blood. He was not happy about going to the cross. But before the, but the joy that was set before him, again, that word joy, that distinction. We have joy because we have God in us. There is joy that allows us to, to see these things in a different way, to see trials in a different way. Are we trusting God that way? That's tough. I mean, I'm not, I can't tell you that I'm like Jesus uh, fully. You know, I, He's moving me. He's sanctifying me. He's, he's growing me and maturing me. But I can't tell you that, that I'm always accepting. I don't want you to, to miss that. I'm not standing here having figured it all out. I'm good with trials. Let's rock and roll. I'm, I'm great. Throw it at me. Punch me in the face. Uh, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not there yet. I'm... I'm If you're there, I'm with you. Again, do we believe God is in complete control of every situation? And do we believe that God has given us exactly what we need? This word trial. uh, I'm camping out here. We're going to go through the back half a good bit faster. But the word trial, I listened to a Keller sermon. and He kind of made me laugh. He talked about trials as a pit. And, you know, when I read before, we talked about trials up in the first part. We talked about temptations uh, in the last part. There's a a definite distinction. But he talked about trials as a pit. Like, oh, I have fallen into a pit. Like, how did I get into this pit? And it just made me laugh. Like, we don't really think about pits anymore. I thought about pitfall, for those old enough to remember Atari. Uh, I thought about bamboo shoots and ti- they used to put tigers in the pits that's not fair you just fell into a pit and and there's a tiger in it so um like that is a tr- that is a trial uh this is not, that's not good that's not good uh but it helps me see it a little more you know it helps me see that that there are pits in this life and that some of us have fallen into pits And as tough as it is to say, I believe God's in control of every situation. He can see me through that pit. He can see me out of that pit. He can give me victory in in getting out of that pit. So I'm stuck on the pit. Y'all have got to forgive me. Like pits, man, I'm down. And what this points to is a beautiful picture to me. It's, It's not a sin issue, which is what temptation is. It's not a sin issue where I've dug the pit with my own shovel and then I've fallen in and I've put myself in this pit. Sometimes these things don't, they're not our doing. Sometimes these things are not our our fault. I want to be careful with this language because I'm not talking fault. You know, I'm not talking about that right now. I'm just talking about when you find yourself in a problem, what is your reaction are you counting it as pure joy when, when these pits come? Pits. Uh, divorce. Infertility. Miscarriages. Diseases. Deaths. Abuses. Broken relationships. Job situations. 
there are so many more. I just the things that we sometimes come face to face with are dire. You know, they're so overwhelming and so intimidating. But we have a craftsman who will use these trials. I'm not even saying he causes these trials. We have fallen into this pit. And sometimes it's not our fault. There are several people who are walking through struggles in their marriages. There are several people, Chris and I, myself, have dealt with with miscarriages. I've dealt, Chris didn't do anything. I didn't do anything. One day we go to the doctor and our baby's gone. You know? It's not always... Uh, it's not always what we've done. I'm not here to beat you over the head with quit living this way. Quit living this way and you won't run into these pits. It's not that. It's quit trying to get out of the pits yourself and trust the craftsman, trust the one who will help you. Disease and death, death surrounds us. It's not God's plan. Sin was not God's plan, but He is a Redeemer and He has saved us. He has come up with a come up with a uh, rescue, come up with a Savior. So what are you facing today? God can and is using these situations to work out sanctification, maturity, and His glory in your life. Do you trust that? Those, that list, that was pretty severe. Uh, that was a pretty severe list. There's others. I, you know, you can sprain your ankle. That can be an issue. Uh, job situations. That's tough. That's tough. But where are you when you're facing this? And I'm not judging. I'm not, I'm, my intent is not to show judgment. It's to pastor and it's to shepherd sheep that are struggling with these situations into the Savior's arms, into God's, into God's workshop, if you will. He is using these things to work out sanctific- sanctification, maturity, and His glory. Quickly, I didn't ask Jesse to put this up. It, it reminded me of the blind man at the gate. And Jesus comes upon him. And the disciples ask Jesus, like, what, what happened here? Did this man sin? Or did his parents sin? You know, we've talked about this before, how they needed to know a reason why. They needed to know what was up with this dude. And uh, Jesus answered that it was so God's work might be displayed in him. We are no different than the blind man at the gate. God is wanting His work to be displayed in us. He is wanting His glory to be fulfilled. He is wanting us to benefit from that. It's, it's so difficult. I listened to Keller talk about this same passage. He's like, it, it was something that I hadn't thought of. What's tough is you, you don't get a heads up on this a lot of times. Hey, there's a pit coming. You don't get a road sign. Well, you wouldn't fall into the pit, hopefully. You know, I probably would. I'd probably still fall in the pit. Uh, but you don't get a road sign. It just happens. It, it happens sometimes. And so you have to be ready. You know, it, that's what's so tough. It's so easy to stand and talk about God's good graces and what He has done in our lives, you know, after the fact. But it's extremely difficult to walk through again, to walk through a divorce situation, to walk through a, an infertility or a miscarriage or a... You name it. Name the big boys. You know, name the big problems. 
It is extremely difficult. I'm here to join you in saying that to our Lord God. It is extremely difficult to look to you during these times because I, you're asking me to lose control. You know, and that's that's what that's what he wants. What are you resisting? As I speak and as I talk about embracing trials and having joy in trials, what's in your heart? What's coming up right now? It's rhetorical. I couldn't handle y'all screaming at me or yelling at me like questions, but what what in your spirit right now is going, nah, Jake, I don't I don't agree. I don't I don't think, you know, I don't think that's true. I got this. I got this under control. I'm gonna I'll get out the pit myself. Is there something in your heart that you're dealing with that that, 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 that is being said inside. Look, look to the Father. The stable man asked God, why or, or what should I be learning in this? I mean, not the stable man. The, the healthy way to look at it is, God, what, what am I supposed to take from this trial? What are, what are you doing in me? The unstable way, which is how I handle a lot of trials, you ask God and everybody else, how to get out of it or get done with it the quickest. So God has a trial and he wants you to walk through it and he wants to refine you. We talk about dross. He wants to scrape away the dross. He wants to scrape away the, in, the unvaluable things in your life. I don't, know, I don't think that's a word. Uh, um, but he wants to scrape that away and he wants to bring out the gold. He wants to bring out the jewels and the beautiful, the beautiful ore. Are you fighting and wasting the effect of a trial? Again, it's tough, man. Who wants to embrace a trial? But this is what James is calling his church. It's what the Lord calls us to do. Embrace the trials. Have joy because you are mine. I am strong. I will deliver you. And you will be better on the other side. It's... (laughs) Trials are where we learn to trust and where we learn we can trust God. So, isn't it exciting somewhat? And y'all might throw tomatoes at me. I don't know. Hopefully none of y'all brought tomatoes tonight. But, um, like, isn't it exciting to look at this, man, that even our problems are being used by God to, to work out sanctification to work out who we truly are in Him, to work out who He sees us as. Um, it's, it's, I don't know, that's exciting to me. I hope, I hope somehow it's exciting to you. Let's move out of the trial deal. Let's talk about wisdom from God. Let's talk about five through eight. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously with all, uh, to all without reproach, and it will be given to him, but let him ask in faith with no doubting. For the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. James knows that we need it. You know, he asked, uh, if any of you lacks wisdom, like, I think he's not patronizing them, but he's given them a chance for self-examination. You know, if any of you lacks wisdom... Well, you know, they're all kind of going, I need wisdom. You know, I, I could use wisdom. And we, we misuse this. Um, 
God desires to give this wisdom. It's in his nature. God is generous. Uh, Even if he's not giving a way out of the trial, he's giving peace, comfort, help, refuge. He's granting strength for that trial. And so uh, it's a a verse that we take out of context. We go straight to to that. We really, for me, I'll be perfectly honest. Um, uh, Five, if you lack wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all. So I go and I say, I need something for God, from God. I want, I'm going to ask him, but, but uh, I better not doubt. I better totally believe that he can give me a new truck or that he can give me uh, 50 less pounds or, you know, <laughs> however, I don't know how that works. Um, but I take it out of context. This needs to be read in the context of what we're reading. In the letter, it's a letter. It wasn't some random thing that we've used as a tool that we've proof texted. Uh, it, it, is a, it is a word that fits in with the trials. God, I need wisdom. Lord, I need help. I need to know what you need me to do in this situation. And how many times do you cry out? He talks about... Uh, he talks about the one who doubts being like a wave of the sea. And that's one of the really tough parts of the, of the verse, of the passage. Like, oh man, that means I'm never going to get anything because I am full of doubt. Josh talked last week about the man having the child healed. Like, I believe, but help my unbelief. That, that totally doesn't make sense. Like, I asked Jack, clean your room. Did you clean your room? Yeah, but can you help me? You know, it's just like, it just doesn't work. But as a father, I'm okay with that. As a father, God is okay with that. Lord, help me with my unbelief. Help me. Lord, I recognize. Go to him and say, God, I am a double-minded man, unstable in all my ways, driven and tossed by the, by the wind. That word unstable, sorry, double, double-minded, unstable, a dipsychosis, double-minded, disloyal, two-souled, and what that is, is us with trying to put that one foot in heaven and, and keep one foot on the ground. And that is really, somehow I've got to convey that this is where we are. We have got to surrender. We've got to surrender for our desires for this earthly world. We've got to su- surrender our selfishness, surrender our, our sins, um, Keller talked about that two soul being born from a neglect of spiritual disciplines. This is, this is some application. Prayer, Bible study, meditation, fellowship. When you stop those things, there's a gradual drift on your part, right? When you decide to, to now I'm not really going to do those things of God, those things that are valuable. When you decide to do those things, you're choosing to kind of, I'm going to step away for a while. I've done it, guys. I've, I've done it. But then when the problems come, when the waves toss and when they turn and churn and when there's a storm, there's your problem, right? Meg said she, she didn't even know it. We were sitting on the back porch and uh, a couple people the other night and she said small steps of holiness make the larger steps more natural and easier. I agree. 
consistent holiness. That's what I just thought about. It doesn't make it seem so awkward. If we're consistently holy, if we're chasing after God, if we're picking up our cross and following Him daily, if we're reading our Word, if we're praying, if we're joining in intentional fellowship, you know, as a body, and that's what we're doing. Like, I tell Josh all the time, dude, I think there's really only five sermons, six sermons, three sermons. God, God is good. Abide. You know, it all points back to what He's calling us to do in walking in an abiding Spirit, in letting the Spirit work out in our lives. Here, our theme being, let your faith be known. Let your faith be strong. Let Him give you faith in every circumstance, in every situation. So that's where the application is. Cling to Him. Cling to Him. And in those pits... You don't spend whatever amount of time wondering how you're going to get out of this. You look straight to the Father and you say, what would you like me to do? How would you like me to see this? What do you want me to learn from this situation, these trials? It led me to, uh, it led me to Matthew 11. Uh, it led me to Jesus' call where He bids us come. Uh, you got that. Matthew eleven twenty seven twenty nine. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal Him. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls." Prayer, study of the Word, worship, breaking bread together, generosity, dying to self. These are all parts of living out our faith regardless of our circumstances. He calls us to come to Him. Say, God, I can't take this trial any longer. I'm tired. I can't handle this, Father God. And that's, and that's probably the first best step is that you realize I am not in control of this situation, God. Please, Please help me. Help me have wisdom. Show me what you want me to learn. Die to yourself. Just keep going. He moves into uh, he moves into a, a seemingly uh, out of place set of scripture uh, in verse nine, but it all it all fits. Brad Pine uh, speaks two weeks after me, I believe. Gaspard, you're next week. Yeah, so Gaspar's next week. Brad Pine's the week after that. Brad Pine's going to have to uh, flesh this out for you. Uh, just the rich and the poor. It just, it just looks at how. Let's, let's read it. Let the lowly brother boast in his exaltation and let the rich and the rich in his humiliation because like a flower of the grass he will pass away. So here it's saying it's good for the rich to be humiliated. It's, it's, it's again... If the rich are in that trial where they have come to humiliation, he is saying, look at that as a good thing because you have held on to money and you have held on to materials and you've held on to control. You can put whatever in the blank right there. Money, security, retirement. I, I'm going to lose track there. but uh, Money corrupts because it gives us that illusion of control that if we have enough money, we're going to be okay. We can handle it all. But it's the opposite of what the Father desires for us. Not necessarily, well, I say not to be poor, but He just, the Bible just 
I think Josh said uh, he, it just clowns the rich. It just beats the rich into the submission over from Genesis to Revelation. It just talks about the problems with money. In the Beatitudes, uh, you know, blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who are hungry now, for you shall be satisfied. Blessed are you who weep now, for you shall laugh. Blessed are you when people hate you, when they exclude you and revile you and spurn your name as evil on account of the Son of Man. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy. For behold, your reward is great in heaven, for so their fathers did their prophets. But woe to you who are rich, for you have received your consolation. Do you hear that? Woe to you who are rich, because you have received your consolation. You have received your prize. If that's what you want, if money is what you want, get it but that's what you get woe to you who are full now for you shall be hungry woe to you who laugh now for you shall mourn and weep woe to you when all people speak well of you for so their fathers did to false prophets riches pose the same threat as double-mindedness men take comfort and trust in riches and therefore neglect trust in the lord we are double-minded it's that's tough that's tough Let's come into the home stretch. I know, I know I'm, I'm, I'm going. I'm sorry, one more point on riches. Um, an immortal soul cannot have total contentment in anything that fades. And so as he talks about the rich men being like a flower, you know, flowers beautiful, and that's what, what we attain, beauty and, and riches, but it will fade. An immortal soul cannot have total contentment in anything that fades. Our contentment is in the Lord. He will carry us. Let's move, uh, let's move quickly. I'm sorry. Uh, again, 13. 13 through 18. Sorry. Let no one say when he is tempted, I'm being tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted with evil. And he himself tempts no one, but each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. And desire, when it is conceived, gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. Do not be deceived, my beloved brothers. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, from whom there is no uh, variation or shadow due to change. Trials, as we looked at in the beginning, are part of God's good purposes. I know it may be hard to swallow sometimes. Trials are part of God's good purposes. Temptations are effects or they are parts of sin. Trials come outwardly. Temptations come inwardly. They're connected with our desires. He talks about this life cycle. Uh, Each person is tempted when he's lured and enticed by his own desire. And then desire when it is conceived gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is fully grown, get, uh, brings death, brings forth death. So we're talking about two different things. And even though James distinguishes between the two, they have one aspect in common. Both bring about mistrust in God. In trials, we're tempted not to trust God for the outcome. In temptations, we're, not, we're, tr- uh, we're tempted to not trust Him. Sorry, we're tempted to not wait for God to meet the need that the temptations present. Are you following me there? Like there is mistrust in both issues. Temptation says, why wait? Like have it now. And we're such a big culture of have it now. You know, uh, 
I, I need it now. I need a faster phone. I need a faster car. I need a faster computer. I need more. I need more. I need more. Um, those temptations, they pull us again. They pull us away. And we talk about that anchor holding. We talk about our anchor holding, you know. So many, so many issues where he talks about like a wave of the sea that's driven and tossed by the wind. Like if God is our anchor, we are not driven and tossed by the wind. He holds us. He is our hyper, hyper steadiness. He is our hyper standing. What this means is, it means that, that uh, you know, it means guys, it's, it's a death cycle, like I talked about. It means guys can see a, a beautiful woman and not allow their mind to go off to wherever they want it to go. You know, he gives us that strength. You know, God is rescuing us when those trials come. That's, that's the one I think about. Desire, when it's conceived, gives birth to sin. So, so as a guy, you know, you let that fester or you let that thought go. And God's not calling us to do that. He's calling us to have control over that. He's calling us to, to look to Him to rescue. We need to take an active role in surrendering. It's not just what it is, you know, what it'll be. I, if it is what it is, I'm fine. We need to chase after God. It's not something we should just rest in. It, it is something we should just rest in with God, but it's not something that we should just throw our hands up and God, you'll deliver me. It is something we need to chase our Father. You take an active role in laying down your idea of control. Something I've just kept repeating is control and trust. Trust in Him. Lose control. Again, I'm going Eminem on y'all. I don't want to do that. Like, uh, that, how does He do that? How does He get into every sermon I have? Uh, lose, lose control. We are, we are not the drivers we are not this is not for us uh, two two more things just quickly i'm sorry i'm losing losing track of all this this is not a fairy tale this this is not a fairy tale and it's not something that uh it's not something we should just read and take amusement in it is life it is We've been allowed to see that letter, you know, from James to the church. We've been allowed to read this and have full access to it. I have a Bible on my phone. I have five or six Bibles at the house. You know, it's not a fairy tale, but why do, why do I, why do we live like it is, you know? You know, we just go read the stories. When, when it's meant to change us and refine us, when we talk about the Spirit, like moving us from one degree of glory to another, this is crucial so I talk about the applications like this has got to be it's got to be fundamental in our lives. It, it, it is the word. It, it tells us about God, tells us about Jesus. The spirit reveals to us. The spirit will help you discern. It is meant to refine us. So when you're going through the trials, when things don't make sense, go to God. Get on your knees. Josh preached about last week. They said James had knees like a camel. Uh, I guess I would want someone to say that about me. I don't know. I know what it means, and I do want that. 
Like Jake is a man of prayer. Jake doesn't freak out. He, he goes to the Word. He goes to a prayer closet, which that's kind of, you know. <laughs> this should be where we go. He, he should be where we go. Our spirit, we look inward, not to ourselves to fix these things, but we look to Him to, to deliver us. Bear with me one more thing. I didn't cover 18. Of His own will, why He brought us forth by the Word of truth, that we should be a kind of first fruits of His creatures. That word, all I want to tell you about that verse right now is that He loves you and you are valuable to Him. The first fruits are the select. They are the good fruits. They are, they are what they would give as an offering. And God values you. All this wraps back up from verse 18 back to verse 3. From first fruits to smelting. God sees what is in you. He has a plan for you. He knows that you are golden, even if you don't. And He is working out His plan to reveal it. We need to chase after Him. We need to beg Him. We need to ask Him for wisdom, not in how to stop the trials, but in how to handle them and to see what He wants to teach us. We need to anticipate like Moses did. Stand fast you know, the salvation of the Lord is coming. So that's what I just want to encourage you to do. Pray, pray with me. We're, we're going to finish. The band should come on up. Father God, we love you. Lord, this is difficult. Uh, it's difficult to, to embrace trials, to embrace hardships. Lord, it's so much easier to see it on the backside and have hindsight and see that you were so good to us. But in the middle of it, it's tough. Lord, I pray for our congregation, our body. I pray for myself that we would see it correctly, that we would have this mind set, that we would have this attitude adjustment that James calls us to have, that we would count it as joy, that I am a child of the King and I'm going to be fine. And not only fine, but He's got something greater for me on the other side of this. How do we come to a place where we thank You for the pit? Father, help our unbelief. Lord God, we say that we know that You are in control. And we say that we have. That we believe that we have everything we need to get through it. That You've equipped us, Lord God. May we not just be lip service, Lord God. May we prove it with our lives. May we walk it out with our faith. May our faith be so bold and it may be so strong even in the face of such dire trials. Lord God, be praised and be glorified. And may we anticipate your refining work in our lives. And may we just look forward to what you have for us. You see beauty. And it's so hard to see that in the mirror sometimes or in the, in the trials that we're walking through, Father God. Father, Help us not even have to see it. Help us just to trust. May we not yearn so much to know what you're doing or how you're going to do it. May we, just, may we just rest in your arms. You tell us to come. May we come to you and just rest. Take, take your yoke upon us. We love you, Father. Lord, just help us. Lord, as we worship now, again, may we be intentional. We've chosen these songs to just reverberate that sentiment that we want to give you control. Lord, be with us, Father. Be here. Do a mighty work in hearts who are buried in trials, who are buried in struggles, Father God.
just just show off. We we anticipate, we long for you. We ask you to be here. Lord, we love you. And we ask this in Jesus' name. There's two uh, two more songs. One is God of our yesterdays and one is everything. I don't have the words to to prep you. But just please, please sing your guts out. I didn't yell. This is what we're made to do. This worship is what we're made to do and to worship in truth, to hear His Word and then to sing as a response is just a beautiful, beautiful thing. Just give yourself up in this time. Just let it go. Let it go. Enjoy it.